This is Church Alive's Teaching of the Week by Pastor Gene Amoson. For additional teachings or information about the church, go to churchalive.net. Acts 17, verse 2 and 3. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again. Everybody say rise again. From the dead. And saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. He is the Christ. Paul was telling the Jews that the resurrection was proof that Jesus was indeed the Christ. They may have doubted before, but what he was saying was, listen, the one that the prophets spoke of, because they, they, they knew what the prophets had spoke, they had read those. He said, listen, this is the person that they spoke of. You may not have believed it, but whenever he walked out of that grave, I'm telling you, this is the proof that Jesus was the Christ. Flip over one chapter to chapter 18, verse 5. When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. And then go to verse 28 of chapter 18. This is Luke speaking of Apollos. For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that what? Jesus is the Christ. Y'all seeing a theme today? We've talked about in the past four weeks that Jesus was a human. Jesus was a servant. He was a builder. He was a shepherd. Today we're going to talk about the fact that Jesus, he's the Christ. Amen? He's the Christ. And let me tell you something. There's a reason these men were telling people that Jesus is the Christ. And there's a reason that all of us need to know this. And we're going to look at that today. Amen? Now, let's kind of get a little bit of background about the word Christ here. Christ in the Greek is a word, it's Christos, C-H-R-I-S-T-O-S, okay? That's Christ in the Greek. Now, whenever you look at it in the New Testament, you'll actually see it in there 571 times. As we know, the New Testament was written in the Greek, right? And we have the Old Testament, which was written in the Hebrew. And so whenever you look at The Hebrew, the word is actually Messiah, although the way you pronounce it, it's not just Messiah. In the Greek, it's Mashiach. It's M-A-S-H-I-A-C-H. And so you don't have Christos in the Hebrew, but it's actually Mashiach in the Old Testament. And, And why didn't they just use Messiah rather than Christ? Well, Mashiach, like I said, is in the Old Testament. It's 39 times. In 37 of those 39 times, it's actually translated as anointed. It's translated as anointed. And what it means is the anointed one. Everybody say the anointed one. It's translated as the anointed one. And so whenever the New Testament was written in Greek, the closest thing they had to the anointed one is actually Christos. Hopefully all this is making sense to you. So Jesus is the anointed one. And what Paul was trying to, and that's what Paul was trying to get all the Jews to understand in Acts. He was saying, listen, this is the anointed one that the prophets had written about. This is the guy here. So we're going to focus on the word anointed just for a moment. And in the Old Testament, I want you to think about this. In the Old Testament, uh, there were three groups of people that the Lord commanded to be anointed. 
I just want you to just think inside your mind. Can you just think of them just for a second before I tell you? Some of you may, you may think of one or two because you might think of maybe somebody who was anointed in a certain uh, story or something. Let's look at who it is real quick. Uh, Exodus 30, verse 30. And this is the Lord speaking. And you shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may minister to me as priests. So whenever you look in the Old Testament, you see that priests were all anointed, right? That was God talking to Moses there in Exodus. And then let's look at 1 Kings 19, verse 16. And this is uh, God actually speaking to Elijah here. Also, you shall, everybody say anoint. Anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphath, and Abel Meholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. So whenever you look in the Old Testament, we see that the three folks or the three groups of people who were anointed were prophets, priests, and kings. Just hang with me, okay? We're kind of building the foundation here. Prophets, priests, and kings. Now, Think about this, at the Mount of Transfiguration, there was actually both Elijah and Moses who were present, and we just read where the Lord spoke to them and had them anoint these three different groups. And if you remember, Moses represented the law and Elijah represented the prophets. So what does this mean that Jesus is the anointed one? That's the big question for today. What does this mean that Jesus was the anointed one? Here's what it means. Jesus is our prophet. He's our priest. And he's our king. Amen. He's our prophet. He's our priest. And he's our king. Amen. Our prophet, our priest, and our king. So let's see what scripture says about this. And this is actually God speaking to Moses in Deuteronomy 18, 18. It says, I will raise up for them a prophet. Everybody say prophet. Now, do you notice that's a uppercase P right there? That's not a lowercase P. That's an uppercase P. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren and will put my words in his, again, uppercase H, his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. Now he's referring to Jesus as a prophet, and this is actually confirmed, this verse, in Acts 3, 22 through 26. It confirms Jesus is the fulfillment of this verse. And then Zechariah speaks of him as priest and king. In Zechariah 6, verse 13, it says, Yes, he shall build the temple of the Lord. He shall bear the glory. And he shall sit and rule on his. Everybody say his throne. His throne. So he shall be a priest on his throne. And the council of peace shall be between them both priest and king. So Jesus is the Christ. He's the anointed one. Amen. And we just saw that the word refers to him as prophet as priest and as king. And these were the three groups, once again, that were anointed in the Old Testament. And don't you love the fact that the Old Testament just always shows us what's to come? You see that so many different times in Scripture. The Old Testament sets up what's to come, and we see that once again right here. So what does this mean to us? Okay, let's, let's jump into a few different things here. What does this mean to us? First of all, it means that Jesus is our prophet and we can hear God. Come on, somebody. We can hear God. Isn't that good news? We can hear God. Now, him being our prophet means that we can hear him under the new covenant, right? How many of you are grateful for the new covenant? 
I am. I don't know about you, but I am. Amen. It's huge that we can hear God. Especially with all that we've got to make decisions about, with all that uh, we're entrusted with, uh, with all that goes on in life. I don't know about you, I need to make sure that I hear God so I'm not making bonehead decisions on a regular basis. Anybody else? That's just, that's something I'm pretty excited about. How many of you know we want to hear God whenever it comes to picking the right spouse? I'm going to reword that. How many parents want their kids to hear God whenever it comes to picking the right spouse? Amen, right? You know, think about this. We need to hear God whenever it comes to choosing a career. I'm going to tell you something. Just real quick, young people, listen to me just for a minute. I want to talk to you because I love you. I've said this before, and it's not the question to ask young people. How many of you have been asked, what do you want to do for a living? Can I go ahead and just tell you, here's the question you need to be thinking about in your mind. What is it that God wants me to do? Right. Because if we're just trying to find something that's going to make us money, it's not going to make you happy. Whenever you pursue the purpose of God that he has for you, whenever you're doing what he's called you to do, first of all, he's always going to take care of your needs. But secondly, you are absolutely going to love it and you're going to make a difference in the lives of somebody else. Amen. Of other people. So parents, don't put pressure on your kids just to do something that's just going to make them a good paycheck. Be praying with them about what God's got for them to do. Amen? Because every one of them, from the second that they were in the womb, God had a plan for their life. And and I want my kids to walk out that plan. They may not be millionaires. I'm okay with that. But I want them to do what God has for them to do. Amen? So we need to be able to hear God, even in just daily decisions, I want to be able to hear God, right? Just a moment ago, the Holy Spirit said, pray for Francis. And I was thinking, Lord, I want to get into my teaching. And he pretty much didn't care what I wanted to do at that point. I want to be able to hear from God, right? I want to be obedient to what he calls and tells me to do. But we don't have to have somebody else to hear God for us. We can actually hear from God ourselves. Counsel is good. I love counsel. Proverbs talks about there's wisdom in the multitude of counsel, right? But we can actually hear from him ourselves. By the way, just a side note, Jeremiah 31, 33 through 34 says this, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. I love this. For they shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. Y'all, this is great news right here. From the least to the greatest, we can know the Lord. It doesn't matter where you are right now, where you've been, how messed up your family is. From the least to the greatest, you can still have a relationship and know the Lord. Amen? That's good news right there. And that's all because of that new covenant that we speak of. But again, we can hear. We can hear from the Lord. John ten twenty seven says, My sheep hear my voice. They hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. We need to be able to hear his voice. How many of you maybe feel like you can't hear God speak to you? Anybody ever felt like you had a hearing problem? 
right? Maybe a, a, a hearing problem. It could be that you just have a recognition problem. Come on now. You're hearing voices, but you don't know whose it is. We need to be able to discern our voice, the enemy's voice, and the Lord's voice. And you want to know how you get to recognize the Lord's voice? Talk to him more and more and more and more and more. I cracked up the other day. Pastor Rod Aguilar left me a voicemail. Now, if you know Pastor Rod, he's a heavy-duty Cajun with kind of a deep voice. I don't know. He left me this voicemail, and he says, Brother Gene, this is Brother Rod. And I'm thinking, you ain't got to tell me who it is. I know who this guy is. Right? It's the same way. The more we talk to somebody, the more we can hear their voice. And so too many times we're not recognizing the voice of God because we're not having dialogue with the Lord. Come on now. So sometimes we have that recognition problem. Uh, the Living Bible translation of John 10, 27 says, my sheep recognize my voice. We've got to be able to recognize his voice. And under the new covenant, once again, we can all know him and we don't have to go through somebody else to be able to hear from the Lord. Amen. We don't have to, Amen. And let me go ahead and just tell you this, too. And this is something that I've been on a lot. In fact, we talked about it back here just a minute ago in my office. Uh, the Lord wants to use you to speak into the lives of others. He wants you to be his voice as well. Amen? First Corinthians 12 and 14 talks about the gifts. And let me go ahead and just tell you the gifts are for today. And if you say that they're not, then you've been taught wrong. Okay, whenever you look at the gifts, it's going to talk about all, whether it's word of knowledge, uh, whether it's word of wisdom, whether it's healing, whether it's prophecy, whatever it is, you're going to see every time that the word actually emphasizes prophecy. Multiple times, Paul really emphasizes prophecy. You want to know why? Because people need to hear from God. And so God will actually use us. We can hear from God, and then we can be his voice to speak to others. Amen. And you may say, Gene, well, 1 Corinthians 13, 8 says that whenever wisdom or whenever the perfect one comes, wisdom and tongues and prophecy are going to go away. The reason people go with that scripture is the fact they say whenever the Bible was canonized, it was perfect and it came and prophecy and tongues and wait, wait, wisdom went away? That doesn't make sense. Or knowledge went away is, is that actually what I think the scripture says. No, there's only one who's perfect and I'm still waiting on him to come. Anybody else? So it's for today, God wants to use you to be his voice. But you don't even have to get a prophetic word to be able to hear from God. Every one of us, if we know the Lord, can hear from God. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can hear from God. You can hear from God. He's our prophet. Amen. He wants to speak to us. Number two is he's our priest. He's our priest and we can talk to God. He's our priest and we can talk to God. Uh, in the Old Testament, only the priest could approach God just once a year. They had to sacrifice every morning and in the evening. And, and still, again, they could only enter the most holy place one time per year. You want to know why they could? Because they were anointed. They were anointed to approach God. And so Jesus is our priest, and he has approached God for us. Amen? He's approached God for us. Hebrews 7.27 says, For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not 
need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once for all. He did once for all when he offered himself up. Those are strong words there. Once for what? All. And by the way, you see that also in Hebrews 9 and Hebrews 10. But we don't have any more payments due on our account. Isn't that good news? We don't have any more payments due on our account. It's been paid in full because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly. Somebody say boldly. Boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Isn't it good news that we don't have to tiptoe to the throne of grace? We can just strut right on up in there and go boldly. Somebody say amen. We can approach him boldly, the word says here in Hebrews 4. I want you to know this. You can go to him at any time. You can talk to him at any time. You can talk to him about anything you need to talk to him about or anything that's on your mind because he's a good God, he's a loving father, and he's concerned about everything that's on your mind. Can I go ahead and tell you, it's okay to vent sometimes. There's been times in ministry where I want to be like, Lord, I don't like it anymore. I know you've called me to do this, but I really want to quit right now. And I just get it out. I mean, seriously, I, I don't need to just bottle it up. I need to be able to talk to somebody. And you know, you know what he normally tells me? Relax. <laughs> okay. He reminds me that he's in control. He reminds me that, Gene, I called you to do this. I've enabled you to do this, but you can only do it with my help. So relax. I'm going to take care of it. You can talk to him about anything. Too many times I think people feel like, man, they just can't go to God and they have to pray like all King James style and everything. No, just talk to him. Talk to him the same way you talk to your spouse or your girlfriend or your best friend or, or whatever. Just talk to him. He loves to talk to you. And once again, we learn his voice the more we talk to him. Right? But hold on now. We also need to listen to him as well. So whenever we're talking to him, we don't just go through everything we want to tell him. And, and let me just say this. Don't just vent every time, all right? Y'all have got those people in your life to where you're like, oh, Lord, here they come. <laughs> we don't need to be like that with the Lord, do we? No. It, it, here's the truth. Of course, while we're talking to him, we've got needs, and we want to bring those up. But we always want to thank him for who he is and for what he's done in our life. We want to worship him. We want to praise him. We can talk to him about anything, but let me tell you something that's really important whenever it comes to your time in prayer with the Lord. That you get still and you begin to listen. Because too many times we go to the Lord and we say, God, we've got this going on. And Lord, we need a word. And Lord, we need this, we need this, we need this. Or, or we've got this happening. And we talk and then what we do is we end our prayer session and we go do something else. We're asking for counsel, yet we're not listening for the counsel. Does that make sense? So whenever you're spending time in prayer, yeah, you talk to him, but then just take some time and let him talk to you. And this is not the way it goes. You're talking, you're talking, you're talking, you're talking, and then you're listening, you're like, oh, he didn't say nothing. 
spend a little bit of time with him, right? Spend a little bit of time with him and he'll talk to you. But he doesn't always operate like a microwave. It's not always instant. You don't always hear from him. I mean, he's not like, his ways are higher than ours. He doesn't operate like a human being. He doesn't always just spit us an answer out like that. We need to be able to wait upon the Lord. Scripture says that. So he's our prophet and we can hear him. He's our priest. We can talk to him. That's great news. Number three is he's our king. Everybody say he's our king. And we can walk with him. We can walk with God. Revelation 17, starting in verse 13, says this. These are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war with the lamb. The lamb will overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and king of kings. And those who are with him, they're called, they're chosen, they're faithful. I love that. The lamb will overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and king of kings of kings. Listen, Jesus is king, and the word actually calls Satan the prince of darkness. The prince of darkness. And as our king, uh, you know, the great news is, is he's not untouchable like maybe the president. We can, again, talk to him, we can hear from him, but we can also walk with him. We can have a relationship. Somebody say a relationship. You can truly have a relationship with Jesus. Amen? He is our king, but we can have a relationship with him. He's approachable. Amen? Let me ask you a question today. How many of you have ever felt like, based on your life, maybe what you've done in the past, you're not exactly... um, qualified to approach the king of kings. Anybody ever felt that way? If you were to look in 2 Samuel 9, there's an amazing story. David had become king. And just kind of to give you a little bit of a background, Saul was originally king. Saul started out well, but because of pride and some other issues, basically the favor of God was no longer on him. And so David was the next man in line that God had picked to succeed Saul. Ironically, David's best friend was Saul's son. Now you may say, why is that irony, Gene? Well, the truth is, is Saul's son normally would have been king because he was son. So whenever his father died, then Jonathan, the son, should have been king, but even Jonathan knew that his best friend David was God's man to be the next king. As the story goes, for years, Saul chased David because there was jealousy there and he tried to kill him. David actually had the opportunity to kill Saul a couple of times and and didn't take advantage of that because he realized uh, that you don't need to do that, amen. He wasn't gonna touch the one who was anointed by God at one point. But anyway, with all that said, finally one day, Saul and Jonathan are both killed and David becomes king. Fast forward, David one day is asking his staff, he says, is there anyone left 
in Saul's family who I could show favor to. And one of his servants said, well, there's actually one little guy. He said, it's Jonathan's son. His name is Mephibosheth. And he said, bring him to me. Ironically, Mephibosheth could not walk. And the day that his father and the day that his grandfather, Saul and Jonathan, the day that they were killed, his caretaker, his babysitter, was in such fear for her life. She was running with him. She falls, and the way that he falls, he became lame in both of his legs. And he had actually been in hiding at a place called Lodabar, which means a dry, barren land, ironically. But he had been in hiding for his life because he just knew that David was after him and David wanted to wipe him out. That's what he thought. So David tells the servant, he says, go get him. Mephibosheth comes and he falls down in front of David. Basically because he's more than anything thinking, this is it for me. And David just starts to show favor to him. And and he tells me, he says, everything that was your grandfather's, all the property, the land, everything, I'm restoring back to you. He said, it's your inheritance. Not only that, he said, uh, I'm going to make sure that you have workers to work all this property so that you can have harvest and you can be taken care of. And basically, you're never going to have to worry about anything again. then something very interesting, Mephibosheth actually asked David a question. He said, who am I, this is ballparking it for you, who am I to receive such favor? I'm nothing more than a dead dog. It's the way he referred to himself as. David didn't even reply to that. Mephibosheth said, I'm just a dead dog. And David didn't try to say, no, no, no. David didn't even acknowledge that. Some of you have been in a place where you feel like I am so not worthy and I'm just trash. And the Lord doesn't even acknowledge that. Listen to me. That's not the way he sees you. But David does this. He says, listen, from now on, you're going to eat at my table. You're going to eat at my table. You're going to be just like a son of mine a king's son. I want y'all to understand today, you may feel unqualified. You may feel like because of your past, your poor decisions, that God won't take you in the way you are or because of what you've done. I want you to know this. He is your king and you are a king's child. Come on, somebody. He loves you. And so you've got this, this little fellow crippled, but at the table of the king as a child of the king. And I want you to know this. That's the same way the Lord sees you. It's the same way the Lord sees you. There was a covenant between David and Jonathan years before. And the reason that he was taken care of was because of this covenant. And there's a covenant between your father and the king of kings as well. There's a covenant there. Many believe that at the cross, God made a covenant with us, but he really didn't because we we wouldn't be able to keep it. 
we just wouldn't be able to keep it. He really made a covenant with the king. That's who he made a covenant with. And, and since we believe in Jesus, the anointed one, praise God, we get in on it. Amen? We get in on it. And you see, whenever we believe in him, then he becomes our prophet and we can hear him. He becomes our priest, we can talk to him, and he becomes our king and we can walk with him as well. Amen? Come on, stand with me today. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. Lord, our amazing Savior, Lord, the Christ, the anointed one. We celebrate the fact, Jesus, that you are our prophet, you are our priest, and you are our king. Lord, right now, I just speak over this, this church body, Lord, that, Lord, we begin to hear your voice. Come on, if you feel like you've never heard the voice of God, why don't you just put your hands on and say, Lord, just begin to speak with me. Lord, I just speak right now that, Lord, we're going to have folks that spend time with you, and they're, they're going to start to recognize your voice. Lord, we thank you that we can boldly approach the throne of grace and that we can talk with you. Father, right now, I just speak that, Lord, once again, we just continue to spend time with you in fellowship. Lord, we thank you for the fact that we can have a relationship with you. Lord, we can walk with you as well. Now, for any of you who have ever felt like you were not worthy to approach the Lord, I just right now bind and rebuke those thoughts in the mighty name of Jesus. I want you to understand those thoughts are not coming from God. They're not coming from your king. They are coming from the enemy. And that's part of that. You've got to understand the voice of the enemy. You've got to be able to recognize it versus the voice of God. So right now, we just cast those thoughts to the side. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that we're king's children right now. Lord, we thank you for your grace and for your mercy. Lord, we thank you for what you did at Calvary for us. And Lord, right now, we just thank you, God, that we're your children. And we give you all the praise and the glory. And if you agree today, can you give God some praise? Amen. Come on, Lord. Thank you again for listening to Church Alive's Teaching of the Week with Pastor Gene Amoson. Visit the church Sunday mornings at 10 or listen on Renew 96.9.